0: rawmikerichards.com broadcasting live from the DKI studios in downtown Toronto and also heard exclusively on Sportsnet, The Fan 960. Coming up today, we're thrilled to have a great guest and I mean a great one, Grant Fuhrer. The doc slash movie, also produced by uh, Roger Sportsnet, Making Coco. They're going to get into some areas of Grant Fuhr's life that are beyond just what we recognized in his play as a goaltender. He's very uh, forthcoming in this this documentary, in this film, about some of the issues that he faced and some that were kind of known to the public. But I would say, you know, you're going to get a little inside his head on what it was like being Grant Fuhr. Really looking forward to that interview. We'll also go through the weekend and the CFL. That was a crazy game. The Stamps and the Hamilton Tiger Cats trading blow by blow all the way through the first half. Stamps eventually take it. Now, could that be a preview of a great cup? Well, look, if it gets played like that, I'd be happy with it. The only thing I think they have to worry about in the East is crossover. And does that bother you? If it's an all Western, and we've seen it before, Gray Cup, does it devalue our national championship? No, nope, just makes it better, says the guy from Winnipeg. <laughs> also, we'll take a look at the NFL, talk about our gas cans of the week. Not that hard to find them either. There are a couple of teams. Ooh, there's going to be a lot of drinking in those towns. Not that there's, I, I'm against that. Not that I'm not. So we'll do that as well. We'll also uh, take a look at uh, some hockey action. Flames in china i i don't know if the city's pronounced szechuan i'm just saying szechuan dave you're doing good yeah i think it's i think it's fair and i'm not saying beijing not from there not a lot of chinese in my family unless we order something okay so get off my back how often
1: does that happen Ordering Chinese food? Yeah.
0: Oh my, that's my dad's favorite thing. Really? Oh, eh? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah.
1: honestly, I I go I go probably five times a year tops.
0: I'd say I've lessened that. Okay. Because uh, my family also really likes Thai. Mm. They like Thai food. Like, sure. Like Jordan likes yep. it a lot. But uh, just as long as I get me those uh, the bar- the long ribs. Yes. Yes. Called one place and said, "Oh, we're not the pork. We don't do pork. Yeah. And we don't do you." <laughs> Don't do pork. <laughs> Give me, everyone knows that. Give me the the long ribs. That's what we like. The barbecue spare ribs. That's what you like. Here's what I don't like, and I'm going to start off. Strangely enough, with college football, people talking about the fake fair catch, if you want to call it that, that somehow worked against a really crappy Arkansas Razorback. I mean, this is one of the worst teams they've had in years. This is they're playing North Texas, who, by the way, isn't a horrible team, not a horrible program. The Mean green.
1: Undefeated, by the way, the only yeah.
0: Texas team undefeated. They're 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 a small school, but you know, they compete in everything and and their football program is not bad, granting that you know it's a smaller school. So does a fake fair catch ring anything for you when I even say that word? See, I, I our good friend Jay Barker put that out there and he said, Hey, this is a must see. And I went, fake fair catch. Okay, right away, I don't like it. And I'll tell you why I don't like it. Here's how it happened. You can watch it a bunch of times. If again you're you're watching this uh, uh, live or later on on rawmicratures.com or our dedicated YouTube channel. Here's what it looked like. Here's what it sounded like on the weekend. Once again, Arkansas punting to North Texas,
2: and that will be appreciated. <laughs> On that. That's a smart play to catch that out of the ten yard line there by Keegan Brewer. Wait a minute. So North Texas has coming to Fayetteville, and so well, no he, he's never made a fair catch. No, he's now he's running. a fair catch signal. He's gone. Brewer down the sideline. This is gonna be a touchdown. He caught that in the ten.
0: Nobody thought he was gonna do it, and he took off. Yeah, I, I was thinking to myself, I didn't
2: see a fair catch sign, but he kind of stopped. Everybody else stopped.
0: This is in Arkansas, by the way. There
2: was no whistle blown. And away you go. I quickly admit,
0: I stopped. Listen up. So so they're going to replay it. And they show the guy. You're trying to see if he waved. Did he make an action? He kind of didn't. And then he goes. And that's when I looked away when he stopped still. Okay, so the thing that strikes me is people say, what a great fake fair catch. Well, number one, that's really, you can't have a fake fair catch. Either you make the signal or you don't. Here's why it's a problem for me. It worked because the guys in North Texas, the coaches who sit in the quote-unquote dark room, the guys who watch what we used to call film, I don't know if they call it that anymore, they are familiar with this really crappy Arkansas team, especially on special teams in their coverage, that they kind of give up. They saw at certain points when they run down, because this was decided just seconds beforehand, if they don't follow through on punt coverage... There's a chance if you just catch it and kind of stand there that they give up. That's what they saw, that's what they that's why they did it. What I don't like is when people start talking about these little gimmick plays or a fake fair catch because I'll tell you what's going to happen and you know what's going to happen, Ooh, Dave. Yeah. Lower the boom. Someone's going to say, I'll take the 15 yards and obliterate obliterate the guy. Because guess who would be doing that? Yeah, you're (laughs) listening to him right now. If there's any sort of shenanigans with whether the hand came up or whether there was waving and there's any confusion, that's what that will do. Football is trying to stay away from these kinds of things. Huh. Just watched the NFL this past weekend on trying to avoid people getting hurt, especially the quarterback. We understand it, but there were some calls on the weekend in the NFL I looked at, and I thought, okay, well, that's clearly not a penalty, but because it was Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there were a lot of things that happened that make me a little nervous about the future of football, but getting back to this, it wasn't a, a, a fake fair catch. What it was was an Arkansas team that just is, is not disciplined enough. They're, they're, they're lazy in their coverage, and they got burned by it, but I, I'm hoping, Dave, and praying. That all of a sudden, teams don't try to... I mean, the fair catch was brought in to eliminate guys getting blown out. That's why in Canada, you have the five yards. But pe- the fact that people got excited about it, let's call it what it was. Garbage coverage, but I hope I don't see a wave of guys trying to do this because if I'm a special teams coach, I just have a bad feeling that somebody said, well, we'll take the 15, but if they're going to start... Pretending or, or a half wave or whatever it is, very you know what I mean? Dangerous. I'm saying dangerous. Uh, I I get that it worked, but I'm not in love with it.
1: No, it's a it's a massive danger if something like that goes the other way. So so what happens if if a coverage team blows up the guy on the ten yard line and people sit there and say, oh he 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 kind of waved. He said no, he didn't. He did not even remotely come close to that. Also, in a situation like that, you only get to do that once in your life. Because guess what happens the next time? It's remotely close. It's like you said, they'll take the 15-yard penalty and have a couple laughs quietly in the dressing room going, see, I told you.
0: See, the back judge would have to blow the whistle, and then you would hear a whistle during the game, which is what they go back for. But there was no whistle. And the back judge didn't call fair catch because there was no fair fair catch. But that kind of stuff makes me uneasy. I I don't think it's a great play. I think it's an embarrassing play. And Arkansas this year is an embarrassment. Uh, they've had a lot of great years. This isn't one of them. So let's not get too enamored with that. But the one thing that I enjoyed—if you want old school CFL football—that's what you—that's <laughs> what you saw at Hamilton. Again, I don't know if the defensive coaches are crazy about how it got traded back and forth, but uh, when you take a look at what the Stamps needed to do, they just kept throwing punches, and eventually they got it. Uh, they got it done. Bo Levi Mitchell finding enough guys, enough times. But it was again. When I take a look at it, a lot of special teams as well. Crazy game at Tim Horton's field on a weekend.
3: The Same effect but from a safety point of view. And we know how big the league is on that right now.
2: And here's a pick, and Larry Dean looks like he has a pick six. Touchdown, Hamilton. pass with the number one pass defense in the CFL. Drop nine bow down that far rail and way overthrown and and an injury on the far side of the field and Tavares Daniels went down just suddenly he was clutching his
0: okay so this is uh, again in terms of the turnovers what happened Stamps can't really afford to lose more guys by the way
2: play action and accumulates some more yardage here, finding Tasker. It's really special, those are um, you know, fantastic men and great friends uh, for a long, long time. Liram Hirelahu. Well,
0: oh, it's nice to see that he makes them occasionally.
1: Mm, not often. Not often. Yeah. Third CFL team, by the way.
2: Flea looking
1: for... I like
2: it. And what a toss by Mark and Michelle. Little razzle-dazzle here from Dave Dickinson, Bo Levi-Mitchell, Mark and Michelle. Longest drive for Calgary so far. Lots of time for Bo. Here comes the rush, he throws, and it's a touchdown. Mark and Michelle dances in the end zone, and Calgary's on the
0: board. This is the way that it went in the uh, first half, back and forth, the people saying uh, preview, of the great cup, it's certainly a possibility, but remember that the last two games they're talking about this, you know, win streak by the uh, by the cats. two of them were against the Argos, and the Argos yeah. are barely a franchise issue. yeah
1: year. yeah careful with that uh evaluation if you're thinking it's going to be the tie cats a uh, couple things so so the stamps led by a point at halftime the big story in the second half two major bombs uh reggie caught one for 99 yards also terry williams returned a punt for 83 yards that was significant bull levi mitchell 17 of 30 270 yards two touchdowns and an interception and uh 10 and 2 that's the bottom line right there. Ten and two, first place in the West. If they have relative health,
0: I'm not changing my opinion. I still think the uh, the Stamps are probably the best team in the league. But as you know, and those listening that are Stamp fans, you're giving them the roll of the eyes and the so what, <laughs> because until they lift that Grey Cup, and I'm serious, I don't. It doesn't matter if it's a great game. It doesn't matter if there's some some kind of comeback or whatever happens in those four quarters in the Grey Cup game, unless you see Beau. And, and Dave Dickinson laughing with each other, holding up a gigantic gray cup. It will be a failure. This this is this is the hardest thing I think that I've seen in Calgary in a long time in terms of trying to keep your energy and your emotions up when you know each and every year you have the best team and they still find a way to not win your national championship. So as crazy as some of these stats can be, Dave, I don't think it really matters because until they lift that gray cup, and I still I still think they're going to do it.
1: Yeah, I, I think, mean, who's number two in the CFL? I think it's from the West. I think it's probably Saskatchewan right now, even though they laid an egg this weekend. They were terrible. I don't get that at all. So is it Saskatchewan? Is it Edmonton? By the way, Stampeders are on a bye week, uh, so they will be sitting out until week number 16 where they host the <coughs> Toronto Argos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, thank you. What's that line going to be, 27? Have a holy, jolly Christmas. <laughs> That's what that
0: is. Oh, my God. So, uh, speaking of uh, gifts that people thought they were going to receive and didn't get. Hmm. I'm talking about Johnny Manziel. So you have to figure out that that, 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 that hey, there he is on the sideline watching uh, Rupert Pupkin. Is that his name? He's the starter. And guess what? I get it. <laughs> He's deserving to be the starter. I get it. So is there at any point Johnny Manziel, who's been the good citizen, does he crack? Does he start saying things that maybe – he shouldn't say you decide this once again, property of ESPN and courtesy of ESPN.
4: This is what he had to
0: say. And it's starting to leak a little bit.
4: Yeah, of course. I mean, it's hard for me not being out there and playing. You know, I, I think back to, you know, a quote Coach Sherman had whenever I first got here that said, you know, this has to work and this will work. Um, and I feel a little frustrated at this point right now, you know, because I come off the injury, I'm not getting a chance to play. And, you know, then I'm, I'm sick. I miss a couple of days of practice. And now I feel like I put myself way behind. Um, where where I need to be, so you know I, I'm I'm struggling and in, in, you know my own mind trying to you know know exactly what my role is. You know I'm not a a third down short yardage guy. I, I don't have much of a role in the game plan. I really feel like, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to stay in it to that. So you know I hope uh, you know I hope this organization, I hope the people here haven't lost faith in my ability to play and. Um, I still get a chance to come back and get a chance to be in with the ones and play, you know, because that's what I came up here to do and that's what I want to do. They traded half of, you know, an organization, I feel like, in terms of what they gave up to get me here. Um, You know, I I would think, you know, I would get a chance to come in and and still play. And um, that's where maybe it's a little bit lost on me uh, because I felt like I was brought in here to be a piece, you know, I had a lot of faith in me the first couple of weeks I was here. Obviously, the f- first week didn't go as well, but we built on that the next week. And you know, since then, missed the games because of a concussion, and then not getting to play once I was back, is uh, it's been frustrating uh, for sure. Because I felt like there was a, uh, you know, there was a lot of hope uh, and a lot of faith in me being the guy here. And and you know how quickly that's changed in two weeks yeah. is uh, is tough. It's just the reality of the situation right now. If the if the club had faith in me, I feel like I would be the guy. I felt like I would have been the guy after I came back from. Uh, from the
0: well, this probably goes on and on as it did, and I would say that uh, his biggest problem is he's losing out to a guy who played his college football at Tiffin.
1: Oh, is that the is that a uh, fourth division school or a fifth division school?
0: P- Tiffin University. Uh, I think they're known as the
1: uh, uh, Laserbeaks. I. <laughs> they're in uh, spiders. What the hell? Squirrels. Minnows.
0: Am I close? The undergraduate and graduate degree problems offered at the main campus in Tiffin, Ohio, where, so it's in Tiffin, uh, at the University of Bucharest in Romania. What is this? Hmm. What, 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 what Romanian things are... It might be on the wrong site. Uh, no, 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 no. They're, <laughs> they're div two. They're the Dragons.
1: Oh, ooh, the Tiffin I Dragons. like that. But I'll, I'll say this about him. Way better than the Minnows.
0: Uh, he deserves to start. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's played really He'll well. He'll be
1: starting against the Bombers on Friday. And
0: don't you think it's just a little mean of the universe that all of a sudden a guy comes from apparently a university that's associated with one in Bucharest, Romania, where I think vampires do come from. I mean, I'm pretty sure this Romania, is what it, yes. this is this is, I, uh, this is This is what happened.
1: I can confirm that.
0: So he's losing out to Vlad at yes. uh, quarterback. Isn't it just a little mean of the universe to do that? Because you, you can't put him in, Dave. Nope.
1: Doesn't make any sense to put him in. Nope. Now it does. After uh, Pumpkin uh, throws for <laughs> ninety-five yards in an entire CFL game, what is that? A bull Levi Mitchell, like the first drive of the game, basically and, and, ninety-five yeah, yards. Probably. Well, he did that in yeah. the entire game.
0: Ah, no, woof. That, no, that was uh, uh, pretty brutal. By the way, do you, we talked about this sometimes beforehand, but that is teams in the in the NHL that have to travel to Sweden, Finland. Uh, you know start the season over in Europe. Uh, you've got uh, now some some preseason, or I guess if you want to call them exhibition games, you had the Flames and the Bruins in China. I don't know if I'm I'm digging this a whole bunch to be honest. I just so the the Flames play the Bruins in Szechuan. You got it. And the crowd was enthusiastic. I will say that they cheered everything. Of course, I think they have to. Or <laughs> once again, you get the guy standing to stand in front of the tank. By the way, speaking of things that work once, that's one of them. <laughs> hey, why don't you do it again? No, uh, don't. <laughs> I wouldn't try it a second time. It might have worked because the, the Western cameras were there. Otherwise, not a great prank. No. Once. So, the, uh, the one thing I would say is uh, I, if you're a Flames fan, Monahan looked really good. Um, you know, depending on, again, what you're going to take away from games in China, and once again property of the National Hockey League, I guess the Flames and the Bruins. Here is Hockey in
2: Sichuan. Here's Johnny Gaudreau in with Monahan. Gaudreau off the boards, out front with a pass, the score! Mark Giordano on the back door. And with opportunistic guys like Johnny Gaudreau, right in the middle, and then Marcher down like John Moore in the first period where... He left his point position, recognizes there's an opening, and similar shot. They dropped the pa-
0: it back. See, see, you're loving that. Number one, the recognition of when a guy should, you know, a defenseman should come in off the point. Giordano obviously has that skill. Uh, I thought they worked it well. I thought at times the power play looked pretty good. Uh, Monaghan's other goal was, was uh, you know, during a power play, a nice wrist shot. Looks like health-wise, I know they talked about it, Mark Giordano talked about it a little bit after the game, saying, well, he looks healthy. I think he's going to have a big year, and I guess he's going to have to. But, you know, once again, I, I think just recognition at this time of the season, just seeing that kind of movement. If I'm If I'm the coach, I'm looking at him going, okay, well, it looks we seem to understand. We recognize certain situations. It was a good goal.
1: It was, yeah. Uh, you look at the lineup too. Uh, pretty much, uh, I'm gonna say at 80% capacity of a full lineup. Uh, Geo Monahan, Goudreau, uh, Lundholm, Kachuk, Hymanek, Bennett, Neil, Frolik. Just some of the Flames that were involved. Uh, outshot the Bruins 46 to 20. They play again in Beijing on Wednesday morning at 5:30 Mountain Time. So uh, it's gonna be uh, a couple days. Before Break. by the way split squad tonight at the saddle dome it's the flames and the oilers uh sorry to say it but it is going to be a b style of group for both teams oh. it is a split squad that's the way it is at the saddle dome seven o'clock tonight maybe someone can email or tweet me was that beasley doing
0: the the english calls i assume he was doing the english calls in szechuan I mean that freaked me out. The the sudden he knows Chinese, and by the way, speaking of knowing Chinese, uh, Josh Wong, who might be listening uh, t- today on uh, Sportsnet, the, the Fan Nine Sixty, a big time producer, like does a lot of stuff for ESPN. I know he's done stuff for a- MTV, all kinds of things. So he gives me his cell number, and Josh, you know this is true, so don't 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 complain. He gives me his cell number. I call it, and here's what I get because he wants to go out. You know, because Josh, I'm not 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 talking to school here, but you. you you go out a lot. So anyway, he uh, he says phone my. So I phone the cell and here's what I get. And I'm like <laughs> I didn't know what to say. What do you say? I said uh oh, uh hey there. This is Mike Richards calling and uh uh I'm not sure if this is Josh Wong, but if it's not Fat Choi. Oh, good one. <laughs> you know how I know that. Yeah, you recovered well. The Mandarin, it means happy. Of and course. I get this phone call back, yeah. Josh Wong Richards. What are you doing? Why are you wishing me a happy new year? Because <laughs> I didn't know what all that stuff was off the top. You know, I watched some kung fu, but I wasn't catching a lot of the other stuff. True, he goes, That's my name in Chinese. Oh. Really? Why are you so mad? Yeah, <laughs> why would that's your name is Josh? That's a, a one syllable. Why do you have to be so mad? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. You're listening to uh watching on the dedicated YouTube channel, or on the website, or of course right here on Sportsnet, the Fan 960. Uh, taking a look elsewhere, and as we said, uh, coming up in a, in a couple of minutes here, we're going to talk to uh, Grant Fuhrer, who I, you know, has one of the more interesting stories uh, in terms of his background, the things he went through, and look at the players he played with, the teams that he was on, and what they want. I think, in terms of history, if I'm looking at goalies in terms of a, in terms of a historical significance of what was what the teams he was on and what went around him, historically, he might have been a part of some of the biggest and greatest moments in the history of the NHL. Some of the greatest players that ever played, maybe the greatest teams. I look at team. I look at, oh, so, so Patrick Waugh, So where are we start at number one? If we're looking at goaltenders, is it Brodeur? Is it Wah?
1: Oh jeez. <laughs> I'm not putting Ken Dryden. By the way, I'm no, not Ken Dryden. No, not in no, this no. Conversation. You know what? Bernie you know, Prant? Maybe. Uh, uh, I'd go Patrick Waugh, even though the numbers say it's Marty Brodeur, just based on wins and top shutouts and all that kind of thing. But I don't know. See, Grant Fear was on a different era, though. Uh, you know, when when Grant Fear sported a. A 3.75 goals against. It was like that's that's very good. In today's NHL, that's borderline American Hockey League. Yeah. So well,
0: yeah, and, and again, we're, it's 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 styles of play. I mean, if you if you used to watch ESPN Classic or and you watch the NHL Network and you see games of a certain era, you just see the way that it was played. But what I specifically mean is that what he went through. Not only was it the times that he played in, and he talks very openly, by the way. About substance abuse, all those other things. But like Patrick Waugh was on some very good teams where he played great hockey, but I don't know if historically do I look at those teams
1: like I'm gonna look at the Oilers? No. I don't think it's, I don't think that's no. true. No, not at all. I look at the eighties Oilers, sorry Flames fans, as the greatest teams in the history of the sport. That's how good that is. Uh, it, it's because I don't
0: think the Montreal Canadiens. If people want to argue, okay, what about the flying Frenchman and about their dynasty? Yeah, dynasties?
1: the '70s, exactly. But Ken Dryden
0: didn't have to. I mean, Ken Dryden sometimes saw like ten shots in a game. And Fure and- was getting Fuhr was getting a lot. They said, but the shot that he needed to save, Dave, the one that he saved, that they needed that big save, usually was a game winner, even if they won six four.
1: Exactly. And the other thing, too, is, and we'll get more into this with Grant in a bit, uh, because we've talked to him before, friend of the show, obviously. In the 80s, the top five teams at any given time, if you juggle them, were the Oilers, the Flames, the New York Islanders, the Winnipeg Jets, by the way, who just happened to be the third best team in the best division almost in the history of hockey. Uh, And then and then you kind of make a debate. But the Oilers, every single year, would have to get through either a Jets or a Flames team just to get to the conference final, just to get to the Stanley Cup final. And there's an argument to be made that that was a tougher task than sweeping the Boston Bruins or knocking off the Philadelphia Flyers or sweeping the Islanders in, in the first of many Stanley Cups. So you, you kind of look at that and you go, man, the 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 beginning of the climb to the top was tougher than the actual... Peak of the mountain for the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, man, that you know, I don't think the Canadians had that sort of uh, uh, you know uh, rebuttal at the beginning of a of a Stanley Cup run for themselves.
0: You know, there's uh, the, the Flames had that weird video. Like there was a time I think in the '80s where they thought it was great for, for teams to do music videos.
1: Oh, that happened everywhere. NFL. Remember Jim McMahon and the Chicago Bears after they won the uh, Super Bowl against the Pats?
0: Have you ever heard of "Forgive my misconduct"?
1: Uh, yes, I have. <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> I've never. So, John Davidson, there's another Calgarian. There you go. Host this because he's doing this mock <laughs> video countdown when videos were of significance and video shows were watched. Now, I, I believe they're all spares. No one, no one gives a ass. No one, no one cares. But at the time, where these countdown things and video shows, where everybody, every city had one. So John Davidson did one, with the uh, you got to see Marcel Dion in this thing too, who is really enjoying the fact they're doing this. This is uh, the kings of the time. Simmers in this thing. <laughs> Forgive my misconduct.
1: And now
3: to HTV Hockey Television's Video Vote Showdown with John Davidson.
2: Hi, music fans. John Davidson here, and you're just in time for our Video Vote Showdown. We've got two really fly videos for you this week. And remember, it's your job to call in and vote for which video you want to win. Our first clip is by three happening NHL stars Charlie Simmer, Dave Taylor, and Marcel Dion. They make up that hot group, the Triple Crown line. They've got a great tune called Forgive My Misconduct, so let's kick back and take a look at that right now.
0: Awful.
3: You didn't threw me out. You're cold as ice. You gotta believe me, I out of control. I'll never break the rules again, cause you're my own.
0: Okay, that's garbage. And then uh, they're doing stuff that just...
1: Woof. Uh, <laughs> it sounds just as bad as it looks, by the way.
0: Uh, I uh, I don't feel very good. Uh, yeah. You're uh, watching, listening uh, to uh, com, either on the uh, website or the dedicated YouTube channel, or, of course, right here on Sportsnet, the Fan 960, looking at the NFL this week. And, you know, some of the... I mean, I'm not even talking about our picks here. And generally... Uh, You know, when I'm talking about uh, sports, I'm talking about how much we gambled, how much we won. I did not win this weekend. Nope. Victor was very close again. Very close. Did not win. But to me, some of these teams in the NFL, we're going to get to our gas cans of the week. It can be a player Mm -hmm. or it can be a team. And I got to be honest, when I take a look, yeah, where's the gas can? Hold on, let me just find some. Uh, where did it go here? Okay, that's not it. I'm. Oh, here we go. This is uh, magical here. Oh, uh, you can't hear because it it's on two things. Gas can of the week to, to me goes to uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Like just just uh, you know you don't have to have any of those uh, landmark uh, phrases like uh, we know who they were and we let them off the hook. Well, you knew who this team was, and not only did you let them up the hook, you opened up the door, made them some sandwiches, <laughs> asked if they wanted a massage, and then... I think then, he
1: even gave them steaks, not just sandwiches.
0: Let's just say it was a happy ending for... <laughs>
1: for anybody that plays the cards, yeah. They're
0: they're, they're pure garbage. Yep. And, and as much... Look, the reason I'm throwing them this way is because people had a certain, I guess, uh, hopes for them. They've always been a burner for me. I mean, I, they've always been a fade for me. The... Buffalo Bills aren't a gas can to me because they came to the stadium with the gas can. They didn't set themselves on fire. Hey, trust me, that bus is burning before they get to the stadium. I don't know if they win a game. I truly don't know if the Buffalo Bills will win a game. It's hard to do what Cleveland does in previous years and lose every single game. That's really hard to do. But at this point, if I'm looking at the Arizona Cardinals and what you have built, Arizona should be embarrassed. Uh, on On that list, I also look at the Washington Redskins. This particular weekend, and Alex Smith horrible against a, a Colts team that just you know aside, they're just very mediocre. You're playing at home. I thought they would do better than that. And the Houston Texans. This is not the season I thought they'd have. So there's your uh, there's your there's your gas can as far as I'm concerned. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of those. I agree with uh, the Cardinals six points in two games. Uh, if you're doing the math at home quickly, that is an average of three points per game. In the first two games, I uh, I just thought of that right now. Buffalo is a gas can. Uh, I, I I think they are. It's almost like it's funny because there were rumors that Donald Trump, before he was running for president, was interested in buying the Buffalo Bills. It almost looks like he may have bought them secretly because of the way this team operates, with people retiring at halftime, uh, you know, honestly. But my gas can, more personal than anything, because I'm not a fan. But I did bet on them this weekend. I had the. Uh, I had the Minnesota Vikings minus two and a half points, and their garbage-ass rookie kicker that beat out Kai uh, whatever his name is gas two overtime field goals to win in Lambeau Field. They score 22 points in the fourth quarter to tie the bloody game, send it to overtime, and then Daniel Carlson shanks two field goals in overtime, including one from 35 yards. By the way, a convert is 33 yards. Misses a 35-yard field goal with no time left in overtime to lose at Lambeau Field. If he connects on one of them, the Vikings cover the two and a half points. They don't. I think Daniel Carlson should be looking for a job this morning.
0: That's. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen a Minnesota kicker no. <laughs> miss before. That's what I thought was There's so weird about it. There's a lot of about
1: garbage it. kickers this weekend, too. Like it, well, Jason it, Myers for the Jets. Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, yeah, Zane Gonzalez was garbage as well. Uh, Miami's uh, kicker, I watched that entire Dolphins-Jets game, which was so many bloody mistakes. Uh, See, that anyways. also
0: surprised me. I thought the Jets would be good to take that one as well.
1: Uh, uh, he missed a convert. Uh, I don't know. They're just, you know, <laughs> hey, kids, if you want a job in the NFL, practice kicking right now. No There's going to be plenty I, of them.
0: I was uh, sort of surprised. At, uh, now, people are saying, I don't like the time. Do you, do you like the tie you hate the tie? No. It, I, I think if, if, look, if you can't get it solved in that amount of time, it's not baseball, you're not going on forever, you're not going until the sun comes down. At a certain point, people are saying, well, why don't they go then to the sort of like the mini-games like you see in college, like you see in the CFL. The CFL where you have, yeah. uh, where you have the, the so-called shootout, where if you do get a touchdown, then you got to go for the two points. That's another rule. that, Because like, they've altered, obviously, the way that that uh, overtime uh, is decided in the NFL by adding it so one field goal just doesn't decide it. Do we need to have a decision in football? Does it can it can it be a tie? Cuz I think sometimes it can be a tie.
1: Yeah. I just find it really hard to believe that we've seen two ties in the first two weeks of the season where either team couldn't score a single point in 15 extra minutes. How the hell do two teams especially when you look at that Vikings game yesterday and the week before with Ben Roethlisberger. You have quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, three out of the four teams that were involved in ties in the first two weeks of the season, and you couldn't score a point. A single point to win the game. That... That's really frustrating.: To
0: me, I think the frustration is going to be, you know some of those calls. I, I know that Clay Matthews got one there towards the end of the game. that yeah. was significance. But then there was also one on, on Minnesota where, you know Rogers goes down and it felt that like it was if that's excessive, if that is considered excessive, <laughs> he doesn't weigh 50 pounds. Like you're, you're, you're taught to at least finish your tackle. It wasn't late, it wasn't dirty, it wasn't low. And I got a feeling that you're going to see more that day, but I thought that was a terrible call. A terrible call. Yeah. And I'm not so sure where we're going. Again, even when I look at the future of what football looks like, I'm, look, I'm not like a lot of these people say, well, at one point maybe we won't see them. But the, but the reality is, and it's not, we can talk about player safety. We can talk about the quarterback safety. And, and everyone says, yeah, they're all on board with that. I, to a degree, I understand. Do you think that the NFL is that dire to make sure that player safety is first because I think it's money. I think that safety also equates to lawsuit. So are are you more interested that 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 David Bastel's hurt or are you are you concerned about in the manner in which he was hurt and are we liable? I think the, I think they're two very different things. Yeah. And because of insurance, because of uh the concussion protocols and the nature of that sport which is very very violent, how do you avoid lawsuits? Well clearly Their answer seems to be, well, we have to stand up in terms of – or or at least call it player safety. Right. But if that's a penalty, if if that's what we saw against Aaron Rodgers, I don't know, man. I I just – you know, you've eliminated most kick returns.
1: Uh, Pretty much all, yeah. Yeah. You're right. And I think there might come a time where – Uh, you know what, there may not be that.
0: Well, I think they just might start at the twenty the twenty five.
1: It's like here you go, uh you're you're first and ten on the twenty-five. Special
0: teams, the taxi squad, all that kind of stuff.
1: It was some of my favorite football. Guys make the team, that's your introduction to a roster by cracking that special teams. Uh, a friend of mine that lives in Winnipeg, he's a firefighter now with my brother Neil McKinley. He caught on with the bombers as a special teamer because he had a nice CIS career. Caught on, worked with Dave Ritchie and he was he was he was a hired gun. He was you know, when when that ball was kicked, you're getting that running start and you're 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 a heat sinking missile. You're you know all about special teams, and, and it's great was, to coach. It's he, a great it's a great it's it a great really position to coach. And you have the you almost have the most raw raw the most active the most character people on the entire roster play on special teams, and you'll almost get that nine out of ten teams. If it's college, if it's if it's pee wee, if it's high school, whatever whatever division or 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 uh, I guess uh, you know uh, style of football it is. The special teamers are kind of the heart and soul of the entire hey, team.
0: Even made a good movie. Philadelphia Eagles. Vince Papali. There you go. Those scenes were awesome, by the way. That, that movie is still one of my favorites. So Mark Wahlberg, there's one point where he's going down on special teams and he gets obliterated on yep. the sideline. That was real because he broke a rib. They wiped him out. That wasn't a stunt. That, they, they just kept going. And he, you know him. Big mm-hmm. enough to do it. He's got some good speed, pretty good athlete. Yep. He got just wiped out. And you'll know the scene I'm talking about is right by the sideline. They kept it in there. That was a great film, by that the way. That
1: was a really good film. The only thing I think it was missing was, you know, there wasn't enough trash talking because I wanted Wahlberg to come back and say, say hello hi. say, <laughs> him. Hello, your mother. You're not that tough, you
0: know? Like, I mean, I, I don't know if they, you know, <laughs> and what's his name playing uh, the coach? Well, I mean, uh, it was uh, Greg uh, Kinnear. Kinnear, yeah. Yeah. So. He comes out after the one special. This is where I really appreciate how close the movie was. The first game against Dallas. And so he comes walking. And, of course, why am I drawing a blank tonight? It's terrible. The coach of Philadelphia. time. Dick Vermeule. So he's playing Dick Vermeule. Kickoff coverage, first kick, first time he gets out there. And he kind of slows up in his lane. Guys are just sitting there watching television, probably getting a beer, eating their chicken wings, whatever it happens to be, nachos. And it would have seen on television, just like there's the kickoff. He brings it back like 17 yards. They started did so first first and 10 for the Cowboys at their 20-something. And different meal is just beside himself. He goes, I put my reputation on the line for you. And you slowed down on me. And you stopped on me. Do that again, you're off the team. And people, it would have been oblivious, right? Like who's watching guys in their lane on special teams? That's why I like the movie. Because guess what? That is what you're saying. Yep. He put his entire reputation to take a bartender. And he puts him in the NFL. He's now on national television on kick coverage against the Dallas Cowboys. And he slowed down. People are like, that's, the, that's what you got from that movie? That's exactly what I got that from. That's the football geek part of me. That's what I love. I'm like, I would have said the same thing. Like, that's what I would have said to Russell. There's no doubt. Russell, do you think you'd try hard on special teams? Do you think you'd run down there and make? He's, he's not even picking up the microphone. See, he—he's so lazy. He's not even picking up the microphone. Is what I'm saying.
1: So he's not a special teamer. Is Russell? Oh, he's special, all right. Is, but, is Russell the kicker we're going to cut? Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> I heard someone talking about TFC. I haven't talked about. I even They still play. Eh? Yeah, that's yeah. They're, did, they're, they they, know they know beat uh, uh, what, the Galaxy. Uh, yeah, so Zlatan was on that team. That's the only reason I saw it, is because yeah. of the goal. Boy, because he looks like goal. a prick.
1: Yeah, he does look like a prick. That guy needs a good punch in the yeah. face. Yeah,
0: it's like, okay, you're the tough guy in soccer. <laughs> right? Right? Is that
1: like being called a hopscotch champion? Yeah.
0: Go go play junior hockey. Pick, pick, pick a, Go to Red Deer. See how long that lasts. <laughs> See how, go, to, go to Prince Albert. You know what I mean? Just, uh, he's like, yeah, they have to play by my rules. No, I don't know why I did that accent. I'm just saying he's got some accent. Yeah. There's, by the way, does that sound Swedish at all? No. Vlad Ibrahimovic. Not
1: at all. I thought I thought the guy was like a Russian mob boss. Yeah, and he looks like one. He I does. Think,
0: I think he kind of likes that weird. Thing. We just talk about Romanian mm-hmm. uh, vampires. I, would you cast him as a vampire? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm putting him in my top five.
0: And we've seen uh, some players who are more vampire-like on the on the on the football pitch. Luis Suarez, by the way, might <laughs> team might be the best Vlad the Impaler that we can think of. What'd you do if a guy bit you though? That's what I don't. What would you do in soccer? Not in, look in in boxing and you're you're facing a freak and Mike Tyson decides I'm gonna bite you ear off. That's probably gonna happen. You probably can't stop it. But I'm just saying if you're soccer and you know you kind of go down, and there's a little bit of uh, guys going at the ball. And all of a sudden you feel a a bite. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I just and it's not like it only happened once. There's some great memes of him by the way, Luis Suarez. Yeah, uh, you're watching uh, Raw Mike Richards or listening to us. Uh, could be Stitcher or was it Stitcher? Is that what it is? iTunes. You're even on Google Play. You can go in, talk to your Google Play girl. By the way, do you get weird with the Google Play girl? Because I find because they can. Put, I do not. You can no. put you can put in like a nickname. Yep. And so I come in. I'm like, hey, uh, hey Google, how are you doing today? I'm just doing fine, Schmoopy. Like you can, you can put that in there. I know. I guess I'm getting lonely. In a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to the legendary Grant Fuhr. The documentary film is called Making Coco. And I'm sure these days, I mean, that, that title in itself, Dave, in this politically correct world? Yep. You got a few, few, few people kind of uppity, I'm guessing. What do you mean? We'll talk to him about some of his circumstances in uh, becoming sort of that legend. And I think because of the era, and as we mentioned beforehand, the nature of the the NHL at that time, I think there'd be a lot of people necessarily, Dave, that don't put him as a top goaltender. Historically, they put him on that team because historically, it's what they want. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, you're going to hear slats in 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 this interview at some point. He said, "Well, I didn't want to draft him because I didn't
1: think he was any good." It's crazy too. I eh? just to hear that. Do you want to hear the draft here before we get to that? Yeah, let's okay. let's do that. So, of course. Uh, the greatest player in the history of the world was drafted number one in 1981. It was Dale Howardchuck. That would be Dale Howardchuck for five yep, points. That's right. Uh, then there's a little bit of uh, a hiccup at number two and number three. We won't get to that. I'll just get to the notables. At number four, Ron Francis went to the Hartford Whalers, Hall of Famer. Uh, Grant Fear went at number eight to the Edmonton Oilers. And here's, here's the first hiccup of the draft. Montreal Canadiens drafted at number seven. Former Leafs assistant general manager, Mark Hunter. So they really? they went Mark oh. Hunter instead of Grant Feuer. Yeah. The Calgary Flames had a hell of a draft in 1981. In the third round, they selected Mike Vernon. Mike Vernon was a very good goaltender and a Stanley Cup champion. In the first round, with their 15th overall selection, Hall of Fame defenseman Al McInnes. Very good drafting by the Calgary Flames that uh, basically solidified what was arguably a top three team of the 1980s as a franchise with two cornerstone pieces and Al McKinnis and Mike Vernon. I'm pretty sure the
0: story goes that Mike Vernon, who while well playing junior and so he was, he was still in Calgary, he heard that he was drafted on the uh, on a car radio. Oh now, really? And, and Mike, you might be listening. I mean, you might be listening now, and there's a lot who know the, know the story here in Calgary. But he, can you imagine? You're in high school. Think of think of what you were like in high school. You turn it on. By the way, here's an update: uh, Dave bastel has been drafted by the Winnipeg Jets. And you're in high school.
1: Yeah, and you're listening to it in a car. Yeah. Wow. Never forget that moment ever. Like the orgy, That's pretty cool. the
0: orgy I'd be having that night would be unparalleled.
1: <laughs> it would, eh? Roman
0: uh, emperors, Caligula. Yeah, Caligula, who's to throw like midgets off a cliff and watch them fall?
1: I am not familiar
0: with. Them. Yeah, at that way. Hey, fun, fun stuff. That's a fun fact but 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 honestly finding out that that's incredible that is so we're going to uh, track him down he's in uh, California but the documentary making coco uh that you're really going to want to see we have it here we're going to play it right before we get to uh, grant Fuhrer. yeah it's it's on an email there uh the trailer that was sent by Dave it will should be right on uh, your on your email i i do want people to uh, see it because to me, there's some lines even in the trailer that are almost, uh, what would I say? They're almost shocking, but it it sort of lays out in some ways why his story is so interesting. So on the other side, we'll talk to Grant Fuhr from Sportsnet. This is Making Coco.
3: Growing up, nobody wanted to play goal. I thought the equipment looked cool. I watched
4: Grant play. He wasn't very good. I said, I'm not drafting this guy. I don't block shots.
1: We need a better goalie. When I'm
3: at the rink, it was my sanctuary. He was never black to us. Once I'm on the ice, I control everything that I do. Listen, I've said it before, he's the greatest goalie ever lived. You don't win
2: Stanley Cups without having a good goalie. We were lucky to have Grant to lead
3: us out of that dressing room. One of the best goalies ever and one of the hardest guys to score on.
2: The city lives and dies by the Oilers. I can see that grinding on somebody like Grant. It was revealed he had a substance abuse problem. Banishment from the NHL for drug use.
3: He's always denied it. You're all of 20-some years old. You're not supposed to have chest pains and have panic. You play in the National Hockey League. But hard time.
0: don't panic on the ice. That, of course, making cocoa is the name. Uh Grant. hey Grant, it's Mike Richards from Raw Mike Richards. Thanks for joining me here today. Appreciate it. No problem. Our right, thanks. Well, we just we just showed the trailer. And I gotta admit, even, you know, sometimes you see a trailer, you're not sure exactly if it's setting up what you think you're about to see. And they touch on so many issues about, you know, things that are even non hockey for, for, for Grant Fuhrer that, you know, for someone like yourself, you know, when you're the subject of a documentary, a film, and it's gonna be so heavily watched, when it's, when it's said and done, when they finished it and you saw the final thing. Are you okay with it? Is this is this what the the message that you want to get out? And did it get everything out that you wanted?
3: Yeah, I think we covered everything. I mean, that's kind of the life I've lived. So, I think that was the fun part of doing it is we got to cover the whole life—the good, the bad, the ugly, the fun—so kind of everything.
0: And you know, the, the one thing that comes up in in uh, in the trailer and the one thing that they're going to talk about in the, in the movie, which is so so inherently canadian because i fall in this category too they start talking about the hall of fame they start talking about you and they said yeah and you know, the first black guy and then you kind of you kind of you know from wherever you're from you're like oh that's right i forgot there's not a lot of places in this world i don't think grant where people just kind of didn't see the color and look i'm sure that's not your sole experience because i know i know you're going to you're going to say otherwise but for most of canada it was more about you than it was your color or or do you think that's an inaccurate statement
3: no, I think that's a perfect statement. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing being north of the border is in Canada, they think of you as an athlete first and foremost, and color's not really an issue. I think once you get south of the border, then color becomes more of an issue than it's ever been in Canada.
1: Did you did you have that growing up uh, grant as far as you know when you when you played outside of Canada I know we we've, we've talked to PG Suban on this show and he's he's kind of echoed similar responses to what you said it in Canada it's a completely different show but you know what you were you were playing in the states as well you were playing on the east coast west coast everywhere in the NHL city uh, that that there is NHL city was was racism part of the 1980s when you were with the Edmonton Oilers at that time
3: I think it was more of an issue now than it ever was back then. I mean, also, I wore a mask when I played. So yeah. I mean, whether whether that made a difference or not, but you didn't see a whole lot of it. I mean, yeah, you get the odd guy. You always get the odd guy sitting in the stand somewhere who's got something to say. But for the most part, I got I get through pretty unscathed.
1: Your film debuted at TIFF last week. We've heard nothing but rave reviews here in the city of Toronto. When people are watching this and listening to this uh, worldwide, uh, like we're getting a lot of responses right now on our, on our YouTube feed, where can they find this documentary, Grant? And, and uh, it's, it's very impressive, and I congratulate you on it.
3: Thank you. Um, once we get through the premieres, i got a premiere in Calgary coming up here on the 29th. Then we're going to be in Edmonton in the middle of October. And I believe they're aiming to have it released on iTunes, Netflix, and uh, video on demand somewhere early in the new year.
0: Well, Grant, being uh, for, for one of the premieres in Calgary, so so Calgary people cheering uh, an oiler—I got to tell you—that doesn't happen a whole bunch. I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It, 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 sorry, go ahead. I got to say. I was pretty impressed that it actually it's been sold out there for a month and a half now. So I mean, that's, that says a lot about the people of Calgary.
0: Well, the great great hockey fans, and, and as I said earlier on the show, I said, you know, the, in terms of even winning as goalies or save percentage or or the teams that, that had won Stanley Cups, I think for you, because of your circumstance, because of, you know, uh, even the, the the teams that you played on, historically, you may have gone through more things with more great players on more great teams, the roller coaster, than almost any other goaltender I can think of, because it's not a Patrick Waugh-like story. It's not Roder. It's not it's not Bernie Perron. You had so much going on, and yet I think at the end of the day, uh, Grant, you know, with all that going on, because at times it must have seemed circus, circus-like, you, you somehow held it together. So who gets that credit, or do you credit yourself for finding your way?
3: Um. A bit of it's myself, but a lot of it's my friends, my parents. I mean, I've had the same friends since I've grown up, basically, and they've always been around through good, bad, ugly. So a lot of it's having good friends. A lot of it's just having good people around you. I I had fabulous teammates. Glenn Sather was fabulous. John Muckler was fabulous. So I've had a lot of really good people around me.
0: If there are those that struggle, the younger guys at play right now, and, and let's say it is substance abuse, let's say that's one of the issues. Amongst many things, I think probably you know, we're talking about depression, we're talking about a lot of different things. Do they reach out to you necessarily, are you, uh, and are you open to something like that?
3: Well, I'm definitely open to it. I mean, I've gone through it, so I know the good side of it. I know the bad side of it. I know the ugly side of it. And, yeah, players, a lot of players are afraid to reach out to the league because you don't know what the league's going to do. I mean, yes, they've got some steps in place, but at the end of the day, they're still about the punishment side of it. So, unfortunately, players will reach out to somebody that's been through it. And I've had a couple of guys reach out to me, and I've coached a couple of guys that have been through it. So, yeah, I I actually enjoy helping people with it.
1: It's, uh, it's funny when you watch the trailer, Grant, and you see Glenn Sather say uh, at the beginning that I didn't think he was that good. I kind of chuckle at that and I go, oh, man, wow, because I, I flash back to one of my first experiences when I uh, when I became, a, a, I guess, a, a, a media person and working in this industry. And Glenn Sather of, uh, I guess, I, I first met him in the late 90s. And Ken Hitchcock were the two most intimidating people that I've was first introduced to this, this field that I'm in today. Uh, as a coach at that time, what was your relationship with Glenn when you first joined the Oilers after being drafted by the Cougars in 1981?
3: We actually had a great relationship. I mean, it was funny, before I got drafted, he came out to see two games, and both games I was awful. And I think I got beat 8-1 and 9-1 in the two games that he came to see. So His first impressions probably weren't very good, but He gave me a fair shot at training camp. I mean, I I, I didn't really think that I would stay in Edmonton my first year. I thought maybe I'd get a quick look and go back to Victoria, but he gave me a fair and honest shot to try and make the team, and everything kind of worked out pretty well.
0: Well, I'd say it worked out pretty well. I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing the movie, as a lot of people are. Uh, as I said, you're 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 very candid in it. You talk about a lot of different issues that uh, aren't necessarily just the hockey ones or your favorite game or your biggest save or the the, the trophy you remember the most. And I think that you know, when something comes down like this for especially for Canadian fans, and obviously very close in Edmonton, that uh, this is uh, this is a high point for you, is it not? This is this is maybe uh, it's not it's not a playing one but it might be a pinnacle in terms of of satisfaction.
3: I think it shows I'm comfortable in my life. I mean, life is, you live life. And a lot of people kind of live a sheltered life and a guided life. I've kind of learned the hard way. You live life and you make some mistakes, and you got to figure out how to make it better. And I guess I've maybe done the mistake side of it a little more than most, but at the same time, life's still great.
0: Well, and, and I guess you got some, you know, I mean, someone I know very well, Theo Fleury, you know, has, has made a point of his life being available and, you know, the movie and the book and so on, but just letting people know that certain things out there exist. It's not the perfect world once you become professional sports. It's not easy or the gravy train that people necessarily think it is. And, you know, I, I look at, uh, you know, someone like Theo, who I, I'm sure, you know, you two have probably talked about many different things.
3: We have. We've had a few conversations. It's funny, at 18 years old, they don't hand you a book on life. I mean, you go through school and that sort of thing, and school doesn't teach you how to live life. It gives you some basic necessities, but at the end of the day, it doesn't teach you about life and all the mistakes you can make and the traps you can fall into. So, I mean, you have to live your life and learn from it.
0: Well, as I said, I'm looking forward to, uh, to the movie. Thanks so much for joining us today. I know a lot of people are going to say, ask about the golf. Ask about the golf. So, the golf game, where are we sitting at, Grant? <laughs> are you sandbagging people? Are you taking money on golf courses? What's happening for you?
3: Oh, we're still managed to make a dollar or two, but no, still playing the stretch. And actually, headed to the golf course as we speak.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Hey, eh? Is the way life probably should be, Grant. Hey, you take care. Thanks so much That's for joining awesome. us, and we'll catch up with you again sometime, Grant.
3: Awesome. Thanks, guys.
0: That is uh, Grant Fuhrer joining us here on Raw. Mike Richards uh, heard also, of course, exclusively on Sportsnet, the Fan 960. That was a great time with him. Once again, when you see some of the issues that he's talking about, sometimes when these movies come out, Dave, that's why I asked, you're unsure if they want to talk about like everything. Like, do you really want to touch upon some of these really low points in his life? Well, just not unlike uh, Theo. Theo wants to show the warts. He wants to show you exactly what can happen and how it happens. So, in that way, you got to credit him for being brave on this one because Amazing. some guys just don't want to talk about that
1: yeah. stuff. Yeah. By the way, that was uh, a sold out show, a sold out documentary at TIFF. And uh, unfortunately, we were not able to uh, see that. But. We will be seeing this sooner than later because it looks that good. Making Coco, the Grant Fuhr story, uh, it is out. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to this one.
0: Yo, absolutely.
1: What? We just become best friends. Yep.
2: You want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. It's
0: time. Well, we would like to thank Grant Fuhrer. For that time he had today. By the way, that was from California, calling from Cali, so that was very early as time. But as it so happens, he was on his way to the golf course, which I guess, when you have that happen in your life, I guess things have ended up okay. So we appreciate that once again. The documentary, courtesy of Roger Sportsnet, is making Coco tomorrow. A very cool story, Dave, as you know, Kevin Porter who at an age you'd think he's maybe given up on his goal, maybe given up on playing professional hockey, he's got an announcement he's going to make here tomorrow. It's going to make everyone feel good because that's what we do. We're feel-good
1: people.